Awesome. Well, good morning. All right. So we are on this journey of uh, really seeking out what it is God has for us as a church. Um, and, uh, you know, just that, just that question. We know the mission that Jesus gave hasn't changed since he gave it to those disciples um, there almost 2,000 years ago. But, uh, but what is he, how does he want us to live that out here in our context, in our world, post-COVID, with the state of the world that we live in? You know, how, how does he want us to be as a church? That's what we're exploring. And so just kind of a reminder, we kind of in the first week there, just a quick review, we kind of handed, we handed out that sheet. I don't know if anybody still got theirs. I encourage you to hold on to it. If not, there's yellow ones in the chair in front of you if you need another copy. But that's really what that's about, is it's just kind of, as we go on this journey, um, we kind of ask one side just, what's the mission Jesus gave us? And, um, and so we're, we're looking at that. We looked in week one at just Acts chapter one, and Jesus said, wait for my power to come upon you and then go be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and then whoop goes up to heaven and uh, leaves that that's the, what he left the disciples and then week number two we we got into the great commission we call it right and and uh, that same commission was given by or is recorded in, in pretty much all the gospels but uh, we looked at Matthew 28 the kind of the most well-known one and that's our memory verse that we said this morning and uh and then since then, we've been looking at John, because we, we understand this mission to go and make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them everything I've commanded. And, and this is kind of our, our call it a, just a summary paraphrase of that Matthew 28, as you're going about life. Remember that? We talked about how it's not just the evangelists and the missionaries that are to make disciples. Everybody, we're all disciples. As Christians, we are disciples, right? And it's our job to go, just like Lynn shared, to go and to make disciples as you're going about life. And be disciple makers. It's, it's, it's who we are. Disciples make disciples. And we invite everyone to follow Jesus. There's an initial step. There is a discipleship that brings people up to that point of salvation where they're willing to devote their life and to follow Jesus, right? But disciple making doesn't stop there. We talked about how then that other part where we're teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and a lot of you have been on this journey a lot longer than me, and none of you admitted that you've got it all figured out yet. You're still on. There's still we're still all learning to obey everything he commanded, and uh, and we're and he calls us as disciple makers to to do that. We disciple our kids, for example, right? And so we're looking to disciple. So that's the mission Jesus gave us. And then we looked at how do we do that? And really, that's the kind of the question of how do we be disciples, you know? And Jesus gave this, these final instructions, this farewell discourse, they call it, right? This farewell instructions to his disciples right before he was arrested to be crucified in that. And that's what we've been looking at in John 13, and we'll keep looking through that. And it's really just asking that question. Last week, he looked at the key to that being the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus had dropped that bomb that I'm leaving. I'm not going to be physically here with you. So what does the Christian life, the spiritual life, the life of a disciple look like without me here physically walking alongside you and saying, love like this, do like this, talk to that person, right? Well, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to dwell in you. And so it's still all about a relationship with me. And, uh, and so that's what we looked at last week when we talked about how the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of, of eternal life. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us and reminds us then is the moment. And so we talked about, I don't know if anybody, anybody try that in their devotions this week? Kind of what we mentioned last week. Anybody try that? 
Want to admit it? Oh, we got a couple hands. Yeah. And so just a reminder, it was, it was before you go to read your devotions, you're not just looking to pack more knowledge in your head. You're looking for God to speak to you. And so take a moment and pray. Bring to God what is it that you have? What's the situation in your life? And ask him to speak to you through his word. And then read. And then read with ears open. God, speak to me. You know, this decision I'm supposed to make, this trial I'm in, this temptation I have, this thing I'm struggling with, this person that I care about that's having a tough time. Is there anything you want me to do? And, uh, and then read the word. And then, and then it's the Holy Spirit. Then you go into your day, and it's the Holy Spirit that's giving you the nudges, right? This is that. Say this. Do that. Go get, put your num- phone number on a piece of paper and hand it to her, you know? That's the, that's the Holy Spirit working in us. And so... Um, Today, we're going to continue on in that, and uh, we're looking at, we're in John chapter 13, it's our new memory verse, so I added another one to you there. Um, This is another thing that is foundational to being a disciple, right? This is something that Jesus commanded, that we are to do and be as disciples. So, just the context here, so verse 33 is where Jesus says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. And you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. That was that bomb Jesus dropped that kind of threw the disciples off. And, uh, but then he gives this, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Um, I just want to pray before we get in, and let's, let's practice that that we talked about last week. And so I'm just going to give you just a minute just to think about what's going on in your life, what situations you have, what decisions you have to make, what struggles and that. And then let's just ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning through his word. Lord Jesus, you know the condition of our hearts better than we do. Um, Your word says that you interpret the groanings um, in prayer for us to the Father and bring those before the throne. And so, Lord, hear our groanings this morning. You know what's going on in our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And, uh, And so we just pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, not just more knowledge in our heads, God but speak to our hearts. Help us to apply it. Um, Lord, we want this to be a relationship with you. Open our ears to hear this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus gives this new commandment. And I just thought, I mean, kind of put yourself there. This, it just shows how foundational this is, right? So Jesus just, he's about to introduce, we're going to have three chapters of him trying to help the disciples understand what it means to be a disciple with him not physically there with them, what it means, what the Christian life, the spiritual life is all about. And he starts with this. The first thing he says, it's like if you were going out of the house and you want to leave your kids with one, you're like, don't forget to let the dog out. You know, like this is really important before I go. But this is even more than that because this, he's about to give them the instructions for the life they're going to carry out, right? And this is the one that he leaves. This is foundational to everything else is this commandment to love, right? It's like he's saying, the, the, the whole mission, the whole mission I'm about to give you is riding on this. 
you're going to need to love one another and love others. Just interesting, in the first 12 chapters of John, love is mentioned 12 times. And in the next few chapters here in this farewell discourse, it's mentioned 44 times. And just to give you an idea, if you've been reading through any further through this John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you'll see you can't go four or five verses without coming across it again. And it shouldn't be too big of a surprise to us, right? This idea to love, I mean, is anybody, is that like, what? I didn't know Christians believe that. Anybody? No? <laughs> like this is, we know this. We know this. And the disciples already knew this, right? Jesus had already told them about the great commandment during his ministry. And so actually we're going we're gonna to have a quick look at it, go back and read it to remind ourselves. So keep your finger in John 13 and go back to Matthew chapter 22. Um, Matthew chapter 22, and starting at verse 35, and this is where Jesus has been having these discussions, these arguments with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and that. And one of the lawyers comes up to him and asks him a question to test him. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 40. Mark and Luke recorded as well, just so you know. Um, We're looking at Matthew here. And one of them, a lawyer, that would be an expert in Jewish law, okay, asked him a question to test him. So you see the motivation. <laughs> Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So Jesus, that's a quote from Deuteronomy 6.5. So Jesus takes the, takes the law, this teacher says, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. This is your whole being, right? Everything you're able to do, every physical, anything physically you can do, right? Your mind, your heart, your soul, all of it, your whole body, who you are, you're to love the Lord your God. And then he adds this, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a quote from Leviticus 19.18. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the law was the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? The Torah, the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, if you've heard those terms, right? So that was the law. So that's what the Jews would have heard when he said the law. And then the prophets is basically anything God said through any of the prophets to the Jewish people and, and to us now, right? So we have whole books from prophets, but anything the prophet said, you know, thus says the Lord, and then the prophet speaks. Basically, all the instructions from God. And so Jesus says, all of that is built on this commandment to love God and love others. And this is kind of what we talked about last week, right? We talked about how the Christian life isn't just following a certain set of rules, that it's a relationship, and relationships are built on love, right? And so we, we can do things, we can follow a set of rules without the right motivation, right? We can follow, that's what the Pharisees did. That's what Jesus is, is arguing with them, is so harsh with them for, is because they were doing exactly that. These Pharisees kept the law perfectly, and yet they didn't care for the people. They piled burdens on them, right? There was no actual love, and no actual love for God. They were hypocrites, Jesus called them, right? Or, or you think of Paul in the famous love chapter, 
right? The, the whole idea of that love chapter is Paul saying, like, you can, you can give your body over the flames, you can sell everything you have, but if you do it without love, if you do it for some other motivation, some selfish motivation, if it's not out of love for God and for others, then it might as well just, it's just bad noise, you know? It's completely useless. Um, yeah, yeah, the letters to the churches in Revelation, and Jesus always got me here, the letter to Ephesus, Jesus says, you know, he commends the church for these things. He's like, you stand strong. Your doctrine's good, right? You stand strong on the word. You endure persecution, yet I have this against you. You've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. The motivation's gone. You're now, I guess, standing for the truth and pounding the, the, the truth, saying you're saying the right things, but you're no longer doing it because you love me and you love the people you're speaking it to. You're doing it just, I don't know. Why, why do we do that sometimes? Why do we scream out and fight and argue, right? Say the truth. We can do it for wrong motivations even if what we're saying is true. And so Jesus is going right back to this, this thing that we already know, that love is the foundation. It's who God is. And so flip back to, to, to John chapter 13 there. With that in mind, look at it again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. A new commandment, he said. What does he mean by new? I mean, we just read that Jesus already, already taught the disciples this previously in his ministry, probably more than once, right? And, and he quotes the Old Testament, so this is not new at all. This is, goes all the way back to the beginning of God's teaching, right? A new commandment I give you. And he's saying that word new doesn't mean new in time, okay? That word new meant fresh, meant unworn out, okay? That's what the meaning of that word was that, the, that he used there. And so the idea, if I was to paraphrase it, that this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, you're going to need to love one another in a fresh new way now that I'm not here. I'm not going to be here physically to show you and to teach you and to tell you, like, hey, sons of thunder, that's not how we're going to handle this situation, okay? Like, just settle down a little bit. We need to handle this with love. He's not going to, he just demonstrated to the disciples at the beginning of the rest of the previous part in chapter 13 is Jesus washing their feet. They show up at the Passover meal, and you, you, you've been walking all day, right? And that was their custom. You wash your feet before you sit down because they didn't have chairs. They sat down with kind of your feet tucked beside you on a low table, and, and so you don't want to be smelling that while you're eating. And so they washed each other's feet. But guess whose job that was? The lowest servant. The lowest of the lowest servant. And Jesus takes off his outer garment and puts a towel around his waist and goes around and washes the disciples' feet. And then what's he say? He says, I did this as an example because this is what you need to do to one another. He's demonstrating love. And those are just two examples of, I mean, Jesus' whole life was him demonstrating what God's love is. Amen. And so he's saying, this is, disciples, this is foundational to you being a disciple, is that you're going to now have to embody this love. You're going to have to do it. I'm not going to be there physically showing you and demonstrating, but I am going to be with you, right? Like we talked about last week. And so it's by the Holy Spirit in us, stirring in us to love one another. And that's why it's a new commandment. And, uh, and then, what does this love look like? This is, uh, what kind of love is this? Anybody want to guess what Greek word they used in this one? My water. Oh, you guys are good. 
need some water. Agape love. That's right. That's why you can say, love just as I have agape you, loved you. And remember what that agape love, anybody want to attempt a definition of the agape love, just a simple one? What is that agape love? Some words that would describe it. Unconditional. Unconditional. Amen. We're going to look at that in a second. What other words are kind of that? Unconditional is one. Sacrificial. Self-sacrificial. And the other one sometimes it gets tied to it is, is covenantal. That for better or worse, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't go based on how you feel, like the world would say. And so let's look at that. Jesus describes this love, because this is the key to us, this, this love that we're supposed to embody. Jesus tells us what it's supposed just as I have loved you. And so we look at his example. And so just look over probably the next page over, chapter 15, starting at verse 12. All right, all right just, I think we're only going to look at verse 12 and 13. Chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sound familiar? Right? So he's repeating what he said, that commandment. Then he explains it a little further. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is obviously referring to himself. Within a day and a bit, he's going to do exactly this. And he goes on to say, you are my friends, he tells them in the next couple of verses. So he's going to lay down his life, not only for the disciples, but for everybody. We know that now, what Jesus did in his sacrifice. But this is that greatest demonstration of what agape love, God love is, right? And it is unconditional. There's kind of two things to it that I want us to kind of think about for ourselves. First off, it's unconditional, like Rebecca said. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? It wasn't that, it wasn't a reciprocal like, hey, we have relationships with people that we're building and we look to love them. That's a foundation. Yes, that's true. But Christian love means that we love those that hate us. We love the unlovable, right? Jesus did that, was willing to go show the grace and expression of self-sacrificial love even when we were still sinners. It was that love that from the cross, he looked down and he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Looking down at the ones who had just, he's hanging by the nails they drove, you know? Spit on them, mocked them, sticks beating the crown of thorns into his skull. And he looks down on them. That's the kind of unconditional love. He's loving them. Obviously, they had, were showing no love towards him. In any way, it's unconditional. It's unconditional, it's sacrificial. And the other thing, about it is that it, uh, it takes, it's a cost. There's a cost to it. And so if we're to be disciples, and if Jesus has commanded us to love as he loved, with that kind of agape love, right? That first off, it's unconditional. It means that, that we love everyone, not just if we feel it, Right? We're willing to, you remember Jesus said, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem? Yeah, no problem. Judea? Okay, a bit of a bit of effort I have to put in there. In Samaria? Wait a second. <laughs> Those are my enemies. We, we don't love them, right? 
And then actually this same context of this, this verse, when Luke records this, the, uh, the um, great commandment, one that we read out of Matthew there, he's, uh, that's where the, then the, the lawyer responds with to justify himself, says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay? And so that's the idea that, first of all, it's unconditional. And so for us as a church, for us as Christians, wherever God has placed you, his call in your life is to love everyone no matter how hard, even if they revile you, you're to love them in return, right? And then the second part of that, that agape love, that godly love, Jesus love, um, is that it, it costs, right? And if we only love in a way that's convenient for us, you know, the, the love that's easy, you know, Jesus one thought says, like, even the, the heathen do that, right? <laughs> Those right? That's when he calls us to love our enemies. He says that my love's going to cost something. It cost him ultimate. It cost him his life, right? And so he calls us, we know that Christian love is disciples to be obedient to this command, that this love is going to cost us. It might cost us some effort. It might cost us some time. It might cost us some money, that great idol in our day. I think maybe the one that's the hardest is that probably the only greater idol than money in our, in our society is comfort. You might have to get uncomfortable. You might have to get uncomfortable. You might have to walk across the room with all the voices that are trying to tell you to not to, right? You might have to give up that comfort and be uncomfortable to show the kind of love Jesus calls us to love, to obey that commandment. So let's look back at our, our verse again, back to 34 and 35. Verse 35, because by this, 1335, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Right? There's the result. That, that he's saying it, this is what makes it real. That this gospel that we proclaim what we just talked about there, that there's a God that so loved the world, that so loves them, that he was willing to die for them, to take their punishment on himself, even though he was sinless and perfect. That gospel message, right? And that Jesus loves them and wants the best for them and cares for them and has gone to prepare a place for them. That gospel message, right? That is People look, when they see us then live that out, we claim to be Jesus' disciples and that we want to be like him and do as he does and love as he would. When they, when they see in our lives how we love one another, they, they believe, they can un see tangibly how what we're preaching is true, right? That's what that means. That's how they'll know that we are his disciples, for real, right? Not just something we're saying, not just saying, something we... We, we say we align with. I, I was thinking of this over the last few weeks as we've been talking about disciple and Christian and, um, and just I've been liking that term disciple more and more because I think in our day and age, unfortunately, Christian has become more of a, a, an idea of like where do you kind of identify yourself with? What, what camp are you in? What group are you a part of? What religious beliefs do you kind of most adhere to? That's, that's kind of the way that Christian, the word Christian is, 
is one. Not that Christian's a bad word. I think it's a great word. But a real Christian is also a disciple, right? And that word disciple just, I think, does, helps us really get it so much more, doesn't it? That it's someone who has committed their life. They've left their nets. They left their tax booth their worldly life behind. They've turned and they're following Jesus. Lord, I'm going to follow you in complete obedience. And I want to be like you. I want you to change me to be more like you. That's a disciple. That's a true Christian. And that's what's displayed when we live it out, when we love one another, because that's the core of the gospel message that we preach. And so what do we do? What a great... um, great privilege. What, a, what an amazing thing to have God's love on us. And so what's our response? Our response is then to love him in return. And so how do we do that? And this is really that we've talked a lot about us as disciples in displaying Jesus' love by loving one another. But also I want to just touch on the personal spiritual aspect, your own relationship with God. Because Jesus talks about that a lot. We talked about it a bit last week. And so just where we picked up, uh, dropped off last week, we can pick up there This is chapter 14, verse 21. And Jesus, you could go to a bunch of verses, but John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And it's, it's using he here a bunch, but it's mankind, okay? He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or make myself known to him. Okay? And so... We talked last week about we want this relationship with Jesus to be real. We want it to be real. We want to know that this, is, this is, isn't just some things that we believe in our heads, some facts, right? We want a relationship with God. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to have that relationship. And so how do we start out? Like, what do we practically do? When you walk out of here, what do you do? And one of the first things you can do in a relationship, Jesus says, if you want a relationship with me, if you love me, then you'll obey. And so we step out in obedience. That's, the first, that's a step that we can practically take immediately, is starting to obey Jesus. And it's the most thrilling, incredible life you can have, so it's not a burden, right? But we go out and we go, if you want that intimacy and to build that relationship, then try. Try walking across the, the aisle. I, I don't know, does anybody still have their one week we talked about, like, we made a list of names that are the people that God has put in your life to disciple, right? And I encourage you to pray by name for those people and to pray that God would give you opportunities. You think about the day you have coming up. Who are the people I'm going to meet today? Give me opportunity to disciple them, to share your love with them in some way, right? That's an act of obedience. And as you go about that, and then in the moment when Jesus gives you that nudge, that might be kind of hard, and you'll have to get out of your comfort zone, put a little agape love on, right? And, and you're going to have to walk out and, and, and go and talk to them and say something or do something for them. It might cost you a little bit. It might take some effort. Right? That that's how, and then you see God work. That's how that relationship is built. That's how it grows from just your head to knowing a God when you, when you have him in and working in you in your own life, creating, building the fruits of the Spirit in you, but then also having him work through you. And so to close today, I, I, was, uh, I want to jump over to 1 John. And uh, the reason for that, so 1 John was a letter written by this same John, the disciple of the Apostle John. And I just thought that this summed it up so well. Um, this letter that John wrote, 
is he wrote, most scholars put it at about 85 to 90 AD. And so we're talking 50 years after John heard these words from Jesus, right? So 50 years. And think about if you know any church history, some of this is in Acts and some of it is in church history post-Acts that we have, right? If you think of everything that John went through, here's the disciple that hears these words, this command to go out and make disciples and to love one another as I have loved you. And then John was there in Jerusalem, you know, when, when the persecution started from the Jews that scattered the, the Jewish, the now Christians, right, that scattered through them throughout the Roman Empire that just, um, that, that took over, you know, that just exploded, Christianity just exploded. He, he was there, or he was, he was around when Jerusalem was destroyed. He was there for the whole Nero when the Roman Empire started persecuting the Christians in the extreme persecution. Actually, most scholars believe by the point, by the time he writes this letter, John was likely the only disciple left that hadn't been martyred. You know? They'd all ended up giving their lives just, they had all loved unto death, as Jesus had asked, right? And they tried to kill John, and he didn't die. <laughs> you know, so they exiled him in Patmos, eventually. That's where he wrote Revelations. Um... Revelation. Um, and so I was just thinking about that, and I was thinking after all that, after all that ministry, and if, what is it that if he's going to write a letter, and this letter would have been distributed to a number of churches and passed around, right? What's he going to say? 50 years of ministry, of hardship and persecution, but at the same time seeing the gospel just go forth and miracles happen, and Right? And here's John's instructions to, to, uh, to these churches that he wrote this to. And I'm, this is chapter 3, verse 16. I'm reading from the NLT, just because I'm going to kind of, I won't comment a lot. I just want to read through. It's pretty straightforward. We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Like I said, the disciples, all the other disciples by this point had done this. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, sounds a lot like how Jesus started his commandment in John, you know, what was it, 1333? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. That's what Jesus was saying there, right? That's how they'll know you, you are my disciples, is when you live it out. And when you live it out, even when those doubts or the world comes in and tries to tell you that this isn't true and the pressures come in, you know what you can, I've found personally in my life, that is my go-to? It's not just, I know the Bible verses and that, and, and the Word of God is my foundation. Yes, yes and amen. But even, but one of the things that I like to go to is when I can remember those times when God worked in my life when I experienced his love in my life, when he changed me, those are the things that no one can take away. I won't deny it for a second, right? Or, or when he's worked through me, 
when I've seen God, when I've been praying for that friend or whatever, and then God puts together all the circumstances and you see God change their life, like there's no denying that, right? It gives us such confidence. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. You know, like when we really live this out, when we're not trying to live a double life, when it's not just something we're playing on the weekend, right? When it's real, it, we, we are so excited to go to God, get his help, to be on mission with him, to go into our day with the parakletos, the you know, Holy Spirit alongside us. Let's do this together. My dad, he says, he gets up every morning. This is my dad's line. He goes, I get up every morning, say, every morning and I go, God, I just want to go on an adventure with you today. You know, and that's kind of his, just to get his mind in the right mindset as he goes to his day. And when we receive him, we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. Listen to this. This is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Step number one, believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That's how we get salvation. Believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandment, what was just stated there, remain in fellowship, relationship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us, as we talked about last week. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I just jumped down there. That's chapter 4, verse 7. Verse John 4, 7. Read a few more verses. He just states it pretty clear. This is getting to God's gate. That's where you've heard that God is love. This is where it comes from, right? God is love. And so he's just saying quite clearly that if we claim that the Holy Spirit of God is in our lives, living in us as Christians, right? Then you can't have, it's, it, it's, you can't have someone who claims to be a Christian and has no love of God in them. It can't happen because you, as a Christian, you have God in you. And so you can't not have, and if God is love, you can't not have God's love in you, right? And so that's a sobering one for us to reflect on. Do you, do you feel God's love? Do you know that God loves you? Can you see evidence of it growing and changing you? And do you have a desire to love him in return? And do you have a desire to love others as he's commanded you? Those are some of the marks to know you've been truly saved. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's that step one. If you don't, if you're here this morning and you don't yet know um, God's love, he offers it freely. He, he bought that with his blood on the cross, right? And he gives that blood to anyone that would receive it. He offers it freely, and he's inviting you in to experience his love just to wash over you, you know, to change you, and so that then you can go out and give his love to others. And so if, if you don't know that love of God, you can't say you've ever known that, experienced that, received that, we would, maybe God's telling you today's the day, and we'd love to pray with you. You can come up and, and, and uh, there'll be someone up here to pray with you or grab the hand of someone that came with you, and uh, we'd love to pray with you. And, uh, and 
for you to receive that love from him he so wants to, to pour out. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Hey, isn't that the, that's why you enjoy coming together as a church and loving one another, because that's how we get to experience God's love, is through others, when we love one another. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him as he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Now this is where we go out, right? When we leave these doors today, we're going to head out, and the love of God should be so great in us that we've experienced that we want to testify that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We now know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Amen? May God bless the reading of his word. So, um, just to close here, and we have that, stating that verse again, he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And so, may the Holy Spirit make the love of Jesus come alive in our hearts. I'm going to pray, and then our last song is actually a uh, song off of YouTube. Um, that uh, was on the, in my car on the, on the way to the church one day, and it's just been my prayer all week. Um, so I'll, I'll say more about that in a second. Let's pray together. Uh, thank you, God, for your love. Uh, um, for you so loved the world. You gave your only Son that whoever believes in Jesus, will not perish but have eternal life. We believe that. We receive that. And Lord, we ask now that, that your love would be so alive in us that we would go out and share it with the world around us. Lord, we ask that you would work through us. For those of us that are struggling and going through difficult things, Lord, we all have difficulties in life. Might your love just wash over us, Lord. Um, we would know that you're near. We would know that you love us as a father loves a child. And then, Lord, we pray that you would work your love in us and through us. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to grow to love like you love. Lord, we pray this week for those people you've put in our life, would you give us opportunity to show your love, Jesus, to them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.